This is Stop Sucking Your Business, episode 41. It's time to grow your business, stop spinning your wheels, and build the life you deserve. And I'm here to help. My name is Megan Brain. This is Stop Sucking at Business. Hello, my lovely little hustlers. So glad you are joining me today. Welcome to Stop Sucking at Business. My name is Megan Brame. I'm an award-winning entrepreneur. I am here to help you succeed with your small business. Thank you so much for being here. Pretty excited about this episode, as I guess I'm excited about all episodes, right? I'm just an excited person. What can I say? Especially when I've had coffee. So today I'm actually going to cue or I'm actually going to A some cues that I wasn't able to get to during the last Q&A session, including one that is very recent, like as of a week ago, because there are some exciting things happening. But first, you know what I'm going to talk about, right? If you guessed FreshBooks, then you're right, because it's amazing. You need it. I'm telling you, dudes, it has made my bookkeeping so easy. I love it. I want its babies. It's awesome. And you don't even need a credit card. You can start for free. Just go through my link, meganbrame.com slash freshbooks. It just makes life easy. Like I have so many things to think about and you have so many things to think about. And let's not think about one thing. Let's not think about our bookkeeping. I love it. I want its babies. Let's get into it though. Let's start talking about these burning questions you guys have. And thank you, first off, for those who have ever reached out to me with questions. That makes me feel really good. And I hope that I give you answers that you're looking for and answers that you find helpful. So let me pull off this trusty post-it. Were you guys able to hear that post-it being ripped off of my table? Because that's what I have questions written on. I am pro post-it, by the way. If you are also pro-posted, then we should be best friends. But I go through so many of them. I just like writing down and scratching off things, you know, making lists. <sighs> so satisfying. Okay. Sarah wants to know, I've just started my business and I'm having some difficulty trying to figure out which software to get in terms of my email newsletter, especially. What do you think about new brands using free stuff instead of paid stuff. Sarah, amazeballs question. And this isn't just for new brands. This is for all brands. You know, whatever, wherever you are in business, there is always the thing of like, should I use the free stuff? Because I don't want to pay for other stuff. But then the free stuff, I don't know. What should I do? So here's what I think. I think that you should use paid software if you cannot make the free software work to your advantage. And let me give you an example of this. So I think most of you know that I used Shopify for a long time and would always recommend Shopify. Still recommend Shopify. Makingframe.com slash Shopify. Get started that way. It's pretty awesome. However, at the time, I don't know what Shopify's rate is now, but at the time, it was, I think, 29 bucks a month, maybe. I think that. I think it's 29 bucks a month 
for me to have like the basic system on Shopify. And I know that, you know, Etsy is free minus the, the fees you pay per transaction, but there's no monthly fee is what I'm saying. So Etsy is essentially free. Uh, I think Wix is essentially free. Squarespace. I think you might have to pay for Squarespace. Now that I think about it, WooCommerce is free, but you have to set it all up yourself. My point is there are free options. And if you don't want to put a lot of money into it, then sure, go for free. Go for the Etsy's, go for the MailChimp's, whatever. However, if you feel that your time is more valuable, which it is, then you should go for the paid stuff because the paid stuff takes you away from things you have to deal with, like marketing, like email marketing. Like, so I use ConvertKit instead of MailChimp. I had the MailChimp free plan for a while and then I grew past 2000. So I had to either, you know, should I stay or should I go? But before I actually got past the 2000, which is the cutoff for the free plan, like after 2000 subscribers, you have to pay. And I went to ConvertKit because for me, I liked how it had essentially funnels, but not funnels necessarily for sales, funnels for onboarding, and it wouldn't double charge. So what I mean by onboarding is if you subscribe to anything through that puts you on my newsletter, put you on my mailing list, whatever you want to call it, you get pushed into this onboarding sequence, which sounds like, oh, it sounds like indoctrination, but it kind of is. It tells you about me so that you can decide if you actually want to listen to what I have to say or if I'm not your cup of tea. And if I'm not your cup of tea, then I don't want to pay for you to be on there. Do you know what I mean? So MailChimp has automation. I don't want to pretend that it doesn't, but it charges you or it counts for every subscriber you have. And what I mean by that is it, so say I signed up for your general newsletter and then I signed up to get sales information or I signed up for your general newsletter and then I subscribed, I downloaded a lead magnet that I had to give you my email for like a workbook or something or whatever. You now have me twice on there, right? You have me on your general list and then on the specialized list. And MailChimp says that's two people, even though I'm one person. I might have like multiple personalities or something, but I'm still one person. And MailChimp considers me twice. So that was a big reason I said, okay, I'm still in this free zone, but it's going to go away soon. And it's probably in my interest to switch. So that's why I went to ConvertKit from MailChimp. And that's why I use Shopify instead of, well, I have an Etsy shop, but that I would focus on my Shopify. Etsy was just kind of like, Hey, if you're there and you want to buy it, that's awesome. But I'm focusing all of my efforts on Shopify because it had just easier ways, easier apps, easier tools. And it was worth it to me to make that investment. Can you hear that saw in the background? I am so sorry if you can. <sighs> Hashtag Brooklyn life, right? There's always noises. I can't wait to move upstate, you guys. Ah. So Sarah, I hope that helps you. But the TLDR version of that, you know, too long, didn't read. Use the free 
if it'll work for you. But if it becomes too much of a burden, then your time is valuable. So that's switch to the paid. If you feel that your time is worth it. If you don't feel like it, if you feel like you want to spend hours of your time doing stuff instead of like high level business stuff, if you just want to do stuff to feel like you're doing something for your business, then keep on the free. But if you feel like it's too much stuff and it's too much of your time, then yes, switch to the paid. I hope that ramble answered your question. This one, oh, it's a blogger question. That's awesome. Like I, I started to acquire, accumulate this blogger following, which is really cool. I had never expected that. I always kind of expected I would have these product-based businesses. And so to see bloggers coming in and asking questions, that's just, that's really cool. That's, thank you. I'm glad you're here. So Christy wants to know, I have two blogs right now and I can't decide which one is really my niche. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I know what you mean. How do I decide which niche I should follow? Okay, let me sit back in my chair a little bit because this one's going to get chatty. And this works for businesses too. Let's say you love to make soap, but you're also really into knitting. And yeah, you can kind of like make washcloths or something. That's cool. But essentially, you're gonna there's going to be a fork in the road, right? Where you're going to have to decide what you want to be when you grow up. And that's the same with blogging too. You have all of these options. You have all of these passions, right? And you're going to realize eventually that your time can only go so many places. And look, I'm a perfect example of that. You know, I have this podcast and the blog, and then I have the home decor blog that I've been working on. And for the time being, I have my schedule organized that I can do all three of those things, but it might come to a fork in the road where I have to decide which one is a better use of my time. But when I get there, I'll get there. You know, that's, we'll worry about that when we come to it. And that's the same for you. Eventually, one is going to give out. One is just going to turn into a job instead of a passion. And Again, that goes for soap versus knitting. That goes for home decor versus business. That You know, eventually one of them is going to give way. So if you're feeling like you're kind of trapped, and this, this part will be specifically blogging, but I'm sure you could tailor it to small business too. If you're feeling trapped and you don't know which direction to go, I would say create, brainstorm, 24 posts in one niche. And if you have 24 posts and you do one post a week, that's six months of content. Is that right? If you can't think of 24 things that you want to write about, then that's a good sign, right? Now, on the flip side of that, that's only passionate content. That's not work content. And what I mean by that is there's a difference between what you want to write about what you have to write about, right? With my home decor blog, the first month was all stuff I didn't care about. <laughs> and But I was, I wrote it because it was like 14,000 people were searching for steampunk art. You know what I mean? So I have to write a post about steampunk art because that's what's going to put asses in the seats. And that's the same for you too. So you'll have, if you can hack six months of passion posts, of stuff you want to write about, then that's a good sign. 
if you can't, that's also a good sign. That's a sign that maybe this niche isn't for you. So I would say that. Now, if you're a small business and you're trying to decide what industry you want to be in, you know, the soap or the knitting, I would say do both for a little bit. Like don't push both. Like don't go to trade shows. Don't spend $10,000 being a soap and knitting company. Maybe you should. I don't like, maybe that's a really cool niche that'll help you stand out. I don't know, but I would say, Start watching what the market dictates. What's a better seller for you? Is it the soap or is it the knitting? What is really working out for me? And from there, you can start phasing out one or the other. I would say that small businesses have the advantage of seeing what the market dictates, whereas bloggers, you know, it takes a little while to get some traction to get people paying attention to you if you're not doing SEO content, if you're just doing passion posts. So I would say try and brainstorm six months of posts. If you can't do it, then it's probably a sign. If you can do it, I would say that's probably the stronger niche, right? I hope that makes sense. Tom. Hey, Tom. I remember you, Tom. Tom has a question about, and this is a recent question about Instagram stories. What do I think about them? I don't know yet. I'm working on it. Here's what I think. I don't know anything about Snapchat. I kind of have social media fatigue when it comes to all of these options. You know, I really focus on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. I did Periscope for a while and it just became a whole thing. And I don't really care about Facebook because the traction is so low there. So I really just focus my efforts on Pinterest, Instagram, and Twitter because that's where my peeps seem to be. So as you may know, I have an Instagram course called Graham Crackers and I have to update it with this Instagram story stuff. So here's what I think. I'm glad that it's available because I don't want to get into Snapchat because I'm just tired of all of these options. I want less options. <sighs> so I like that it's available. Now, is it something you should devote some time to? Yeah, I think you should. I think that creating a story, any kind of story, is good for a brand because it gives people something to connect with. You're not some dude up in a high tower that's inaccessible, like creating a brand, creating the story behind your brand is really beneficial for your business. And yeah, I definitely think it's something you should investigate. Should it be something that you outsource? No, I think that creating your brand story should be as authentic and organic as possible. So I think that is probably something that you should spend a day on until it gets better. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Thank you for the question, Tom. I will be looking more into Instagram stories and updating graham crackers with it. So um, meganbrame.com slash graham crackers, G-R-A-M. So I would definitely recommend keeping an eye on it. And it's up to you if you want to keep going with Snapchat. Like I said, I'm more of a fatigued person, so I really have no opinion on Snapchat. If it's working for your business, more power to you. I have heard amazing stories behind it to where I'm like, maybe, no, I'm tired. (laughs) I'm tired. I can't do it. So that's what I have to say about that. Thanks, Tom. 
Resna, I think that's how you say it. I apologize if I got that wrong. Wants to know. I suck at schedules. I totally understand that, Resna. I suck at schedules, Megan. What can I do to get better? What is a good way to start getting disciplined? Okay. First, you, you've taken a huge step by acknowledging that you suck at schedules. I, too, suck at schedules. We all have best intentions, right? We all want to be working when we're supposed to be working and definitely not on Reddit or looking at pictures of Lindsay Lohan doing whatever she's doing right now. I may or may not be speaking from personal experience. What I'm saying is we all know we should be working. We all know when we should be working, but all of a sudden things start to creep into work time and work starts to creep into playtime, right? So what is the best way to solve this? My gut reaction is to just listen to yourself and and don't force it. If you are a night person, then work at night. If you are a day person, then work during the day. I know that there's so many of these things, and I've fallen into this trap too of you got to get up early and you got to get your stuff done and you got to be thankful and you got to do everything at like five in the morning when it's still dark out and you just get working and you do it and it's great and you'll be amazing. I go to bed at one in the morning. You know, I am up watching reruns of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia for like nights and I've seen every episode 30 times, but that's just my routine and I stay up late and I watch reruns and I... (sighs) I can't get up at 4 a.m. and do this. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I can't. I can't do it. So, what is the solution here? I think the solution is to stop fighting your own rhythms and make that work for you. Now, if you have a client meeting at 9 a.m., well, then you got to strategize that, right? But that's only one day. And... That's only three hours max, right? So I would say create a calendar that works for when you're most productive. Most days, I'm, I myself am up and ready and sitting in front of my computer by 9.30, but that doesn't mean I really get anything productive done until about like 11.00. And right now, it's 11.22 a.m. when I'm recording this. I've been up since 8.30. Like, I fed the cats, I got dressed, texted my husband a little bit, and looked at Reddit, wrote an article. It was like, I had to put on, like, my most focusing music to get done because I just did not feel like it. And I've had my coffee... And once I get done with this podcast, then I'll be able to write because this is like my power time. This right around like 11 to 2, that's when I really start getting into my groove. And so I've just kind of learned that I will never be the person that wakes up at 4 in the morning and goes on a jog and does yoga and journals. That's not me. And I accept that. And I'm not going to feel bad about it. And I don't want you to feel bad about it, Resna. You do you. If you feel most productive 
at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, then make a schedule that works that out for you. And make sure that your schedule includes downtime, includes family time, includes breaks. Please take some breaks. Don't power through. It's bad for your butt. It's bad for your back. And I mean this as sitting in a chair all day, but any kind of stationary thing where you're just like sitting or standing for hours and hours on end. Like make sure that you have breaks in there. Make sure that you are knocking out all the things you have to knock out, but that you're also making sure you're making time for the things that really matter. You know, your business can go away. Your health could deteriorate. Oh, this is dark now. (laughs) My point is make sure that you are sticking to a schedule that incorporates time for loved ones, for hobbies, for things like that. I hope that answered your question. I know that that took a little dark turn at the end. So let's just leave it with don't fight it. If you want to fight it, I just said we're going to end this and now I'm going on a new tangent. If you want to fight it, if you're like, no, I know my schedule is bad. I know that I stay up too late. Then incremental steps. Start slow. Don't expect immediate. It's like dieting, right? Like don't expect immediate results. This is a change of course and it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So do one thing that like set an alarm to have lunch every day at 12:45. And that's when you have lunch and that's when you'd say, "Okay, no matter what I'm doing right now, I'm going to stop. I'm going to have lunch." And that'll just kind of set you an anchor point in a schedule so that you can go, "Okay, now I'm back from lunch. What do I want to do? How am I feeling?" what's happening or before that, like, okay, I have an hour before lunch. Do I want to do something before that? What do I want to do? How am I feeling? And then that kind of gives you some leverage to create a better schedule. Does that make sense? I hope that helps. Thank you, Resna. The next one is from Cora. Cora wants to know, what is one thing that you think entrepreneurs get wrong with their e-commerce? I love this question. And this one isn't just for e-commerce. And I'm going to tell you why in a second. But I think the one thing, like the most important thing is user experience. And if you don't go through your website and do a full transaction, like do a dummy credit card or whatever, or just automatically refund you, whatever. If you're not going through that process, then you have no idea. You have no idea what's going on. And you need to go through that experience and see, like, what what does the layout look like? What does it look like on mobile? How hard is it to find a product? What are you going to do with that product? Can you make these things work? Is it an enjoyable experience? Is it a fast experience? Or does it take so long to load that it just makes you want to click away and it's your own website? What are you talking about? I think that's one thing that a lot of people get wrong. They just kind of assume that it works. They assume it's great fine. What I think you should do is go through your website. And I believe this with bloggers as well. Case in point, I just did this today where I was looking for an article that I had written a couple months ago and I hit the search bar and my search didn't work. And then I was like, okay, well, 
crap, what category is under? Because if you go to my website, it's not directly the blog. It's a landing page that says, gives you three options. Like, where do you want to start? Do you want to start your business? Do you want to grow your business? Do you want to learn about blogging? What can I help you with, basically? And then I realized, like, okay, if I, I think it's probably under grow my blog or grow my business. And I went through the blog and I'm like, no, it's not really under Oh my God, do I have to go back to the homepage to find this? And I realized that in my menu, I had no way to get to the other categories. I had no way to do anything. I, have, I would have to start all over again. And that's annoying. I wouldn't want to do that because my search function is missing. And who knows how long the search function has been missing or broken. I don't know. I haven't gone through that. And I don't know that you guys are being annoyed, maybe you're not. I was annoyed that I would have to start on the homepage all over again. I didn't have a way to easily access other blog posts, other categories, other parts of the blog. So I went through and I changed and I updated all of that and I hadn't done that before. And that was such a careless mistake. It's something that could have been avoided if only I had gone through the experience of going through my blog. <sighs> so that's the first thing you should do, Cora. That's the one thing that will make you a champion and blow your competitors out of the water is you go through your website. You have a friend to go through it. A friend that'll, that'll keep it real with you. A friend that'll be honest and be like, I don't like this. This took a while to load. Not like your mom who's like, oh, this is great. You're fantastic. Like get somebody that's going to keep it real with you. Go through it on mobile, on a tablet, on your computer and see what the experience is like. That'll give you some great insight and it'll help you get ahead of your competitors. The next one is from Lauren. Lauren writes, I am so excited about my business and I work really hard on it. I really want to leave my job, but my family keeps expressing concerns about my finances. What do you recommend I do? Oh, um, all right. I'll give you the Miss America answer first. The Miss America answer is you should do whatever's in your heart and follow your passion and then the money will come. Here's the real answer. You should do whatever it is that keeps you afloat. I know that's an awful answer because nobody wants to keep at a job that they hate when there's a business that they love waiting at home for them, right? And I get it. I totally get it. I, like, I, I know how it feels. Believe me. Oh my God. I <laughs> had some really dark times at a job that I worked because it paid the bills and it was a terrible job. It was a awful job with a lot of just bad juju that took a long time to get out of, but I knew I had to do it because I'm an adult. And even though my business was good, it wasn't paying the bills yet. And so I had to make sure, you know, I had student loans, I had credit card debt. It wasn't just paying the rent and groceries. It was getting crawling out of debt and I had to do it as long as I could hold on and 
I had to show my husband, and this wasn't his requirement, by the way. This was just all my weird neuroses. But I had to show my husband a plan. And I had to show him how much money I was going to make projected and what my plans were. So my plans at the time were to go around and do shows every weekend. And as long as I made, I think it was like 400 bucks a show, I would be good. And that was totally doable. So I thought, and that's what I did. And so that was the plan that I had to do. And here's what I think you should do. I think you should find a way to make work as tolerable as possible. I'm, I have no idea if you don't like your job, maybe you're just over it. Maybe you like your job, but you really just want to go do your own thing. Either way, make the time that you have to spend at someone else's establishment as tolerable as possible. If that's just turning on your I don't even care mode, then you don't even care. If it's talking to your boss, then talk to your boss. If it's whatever you need to do to keep going, keep going and do it. Make sure that you are coming to the fork in the road when you need to come to the fork in the road, if that makes sense. Like, don't push yourself out of a steady income long before you, you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't speed up the process. If, I mean, like, I want to say if you have the hustle, then you'll do it, but we're all not Gary Vaynerchuk, right? And like I just said, there are some days when you're just like, I don't feel like it. I, I want to just look at Reddit all day or I just want to watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and I don't, my schedule sucks and blah, blah, blah. And whatever discipline you have has to go up 100% when you're a small business owner, when it's just you and you don't have anybody looking over your shoulder, but you still got bills to pay. So, I mean, it like these pauses aren't intentional. I'm trying to figure out the best way to say that be smart about it. And on the flip side of it, there's always going to be people that are like, really, are you sure you should do that? They're especially if they're out of our generation, baby boomers that are not entrepreneurs in my experience have a rough time being okay with you not following the plan, if that makes sense. And I understand that that's where a level of security comes from, but there's always going to be some risk. And especially in this day and age, having a job, you know, having that plan of working for the same company for decades and then retiring with a pension, I mean, that's, that's not a guarantee anymore, right? So I think that we're just in a world that's full of risk and it just depends on how much risk you're willing to take. But I don't think that that means you should be reckless. I think that we're all adults now and we have to be adults and remember that we have responsibilities. So that's my advice. If people are on your back, it's because they care about you and they want to make sure that you're okay and they have a kernel of truth in them. So I would say 
if you're passionate about your business, but it can't yet support you, or at least even like if it's not paying for itself, then you are way off of jumping ship. So I would say talk to your family about your goals. Tell them, show them plans. Maybe that'll calm them down a little bit. Show them like projections, like make it as business plan-y as you can. Respect that they're coming from a place of love and be smart about it. You know, it's, it's tough. It's all tough. It's tough when you're creative and you want to do your own thing and you can't. And it's creative when you want to do your own thing and you can't. And then you have other people telling you that you shouldn't. I know it's a whole thing. I hope that helped. This last one is not something that I was directly asked, but it's something that I kind of see as an underlying question. I get a lot in my email. And so I wanted to talk really quickly about rejection and being afraid to even try because you don't want to get rejected. I totally understand that. I have had crippling fear when it comes to that because, well, I don't know why, because like this isn't a therapy session. Um, I guess, I mean, I would never call wholesale buyers because I was terrified that I was annoying them, that I was bothering them, that they were going to just know that I, you know, like imposter syndrome, like they were just going to know that I had no clue what I was doing. And so that's always something that I hired out because I was like, I don't want to do it. I'm bad at it. It was like self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm bad at it. So I won't get it. And I didn't get it because I was bad at it and blah, blah, blah. And now in, you know, my thirties in a different business, in a different world, I still get those urges and I still get those feelings. Like when I'm reaching out to a brand or I'm working on a partnership or a collaboration or a guest post and I'll get these urge to just, I don't even want to do it because they're just going to say no. You know what I mean? And I see a lot of that in the emails that I get in the questions that I get. And I just want to address and say that, I know how that feels, dude. I do. And it's not you. And it's not you that's being rejected. If you are rejected, but you'll never know unless you try and you won't get better unless you try. I'm working right now with a brand for the home decor blog and they're asking a lot of questions, rightfully so which they should for a a post that I want to do about uh, upgrades for our house. And they're asking a lot of questions. And when I read the questions, which they're totally polite and they're totally like, can you just kind of give us more information about what you want to do? We don't really understand. And my gut is, ugh, why even bother? They're just going to say that I'm wasting their time. And I get past that. Like I take a minute and I say, okay, 
what they're really saying is tell us more. Do you know what I mean? Like they, this, these brands could just be like, we're not even going to answer your email. We're not even going to waste our time. They're saying, tell us more, give us better idea. They're not in my head. And these people that you're afraid of, this goal that you're afraid of, whatever it is that you are afraid that London rejection, it's not gonna, I mean, it it might happen. I'm not going to lie to you. It might happen, but it won't. You'll never know unless you just give it a shot. And unless you just go into it with an open mind and an attempt. And if it fails, what did you learn from it? So you can go to the next one and use what you've learned from this rejection to not get rejected next time. Do you know what I mean? So that's a bit of a ramble, but just wanted to say that I know a lot of you feel that you need to get over a fear of rejection and myself included. It's, I want to say that in my experience, it's something that doesn't ever get fully exoner, um, exercised or, you know, whatever word you want to use. It's something that never really goes away. I think it's just something that you begin to acknowledge and do anyways, because you have a goal, you have a why, you have a need, you have a something that has to drive you to face that fear and go into it with an open mind and give it a shot. So this week, that's what I want you to do. Just do one teeny tiny thing that you're afraid of because you're always afraid of getting rejected. Write an email to a small buyer. And I don't mean small stature, like, <laughs> like a mom and pop store or to give it, give a conglomerate a try. Shoot that buyer at anthropology and email, reach out to a brand about collaboration, reach out to somebody about a guest post, do something that you've been afraid of because you've been afraid of getting rejected. And I feel like you'll feel better. You'll feel like this big weight is off your chest. Like, <sighs> Okay, I did that. Now I can do it again. Or now I've got that out of the way. I think you can do it. I want you to do it, and I hope that you will. Tweet me at Megan Plus Coffee and let me know what your big scary thing was that you tried. And I would love to hear about it. I'll talk to you next week.